Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Today's episode is brought to you by TechSite Builder. TechSite Builder is a hosted website builder that allows you to quickly and easily get a clean and professional website up and running for your computer or tech-focused business. Save time and frustration with TechSite Builder. Learn more at techsitebuilder.com. All right, guys, today's uh, episode is um, going to be a throwback again. I am still away on vacation. This is the last week that I'm going to be away. So next week I will be back. We will be back with our live episodes on Facebook uh, and um, we'll have new guests and stuff. But for now, since I'm gone, we're going to do a best of where we go back in the archives of the old computer business podcast episodes and pull out some awesome interviews that are around a marketing topic that, that I had a lot of fun talking about. Uh, this one you're going to hear today is uh, the topic is how to market like a big MSP. So in this episode, um, I speak with Aaron Mangle of uh, he's the business developer development manager for Net- Network Remedy, which is a full service managed service provider in Silicon Valley. So this is someone who deals with marketing for a big MSP. Um, and he's going to go into how to borrow marketing techniques from bigger companies and apply those lessons to your own business um, and lots of other marketing tips and tricks. So this is a good one. We did dive deep into a lot of stuff, a lot of great um, back and forth conversation on this one. You're not going to want to miss this episode. All that and so much more coming up right now. Today, I'm excited to have Aaron Mongol, host of the Cloud Radio Show, and also he does business development for Network Remedy, which is an IT and cloud consulting firm that's based out of Silicon Valley, and he's helping them to expand through Southern California. And uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be on the Cloud Radio Show here recently, and I had a blast. We, we talked about the cloud and about uh, just IT services and in general, and it was a great chat. And I'm I'm uh, happy to have Aaron here to talk about uh, some of the insights he's gained from working uh, with marketing a, an MSP like Network Remedy. So, welcome, Aaron. How you doing? Thank you, thank you. Doing very well. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Excellent. Believe it, excellent. Believe it or not, this is my first uh, interview in terms of like in this format. So this is kind of kind of fun, even though I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> so you've been interviewing people, but you haven't yeah. been interviewed. Time for karma. I get a taste <laughs> flip, of my own medicine. Flip right? the script, huh? <laughs> That's right. I like it. Well, well, you were a gracious host to me, so I'll oh, return the you. favor. I, I won't give you too hard a time. <laughs> That's funny. No Howard Stern questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We're going to dig into your your past <laughs> transgressions. No, um, so uh, but well, we will dig in your past a little bit, but uh, I, you know, as it pertains to uh, how you ended up at Network Remedy in your current role, just kind of give us a brief overview of what your background is, and and then what brought you to uh, to start working in the IT services space. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks again for for the invitation. So my name's Aaron Mungle, and I actually grew up living abroad. My mom was in the Foreign Service, uh, the U.S. De- with the U.S. Department of State. So I lived in Pakistan, Thailand, the Philippines, and that was kind of a cool upbringing. It kind of exposed me to all these different cultures and people from other countries um, early on in life. And then I came back to Maryland, which you may know something about that. Uh, And I did uh, high school there. And um, I actually did tail end of um, middle school and high school. And then um, 
And then I basically decided to go to North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina for college at NC State University. And the reason we were in Maryland was because my parents um, worked in D.C., the Department of State, Foreign Service thing. So that was kind of our base for a while. And then North Carolina, uh, NC State, worked there for a bit in business development. And I worked for like a franchise, um, College Hunks Selling Junk. I worked for a... Wait, what uh, is that? College Hunks Selling Junk? College Hunks Hauling Junk. So it's a (laughs) junk removal uh, service. Uh, It's like a nationwide brand. You may have seen the trucks around um, your area because they actually started in DC and then relocated to Tampa. I think I did see a truck like that. Yeah, Yeah. like a bright orange uh, truck with like this hunk guy like holding up the college hunks lettering yeah Yeah. so that was a fun time you know like learning about a franchise and like i kind of got to get my hands dirty i really like sort of even though now i'm like more in a sort of a somewhat office or like business role like i really enjoyed being on the trucks and like carrying heavy stuff and talking to customers (laughs) and pitching because it was so multifaceted literally getting your hands dirty Quite literally, yeah, and yeah. playing with different junk, we would encounter some really strange objects on the uh, on the job site, you know. Um, so that could be a whole nother thread. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, the point of all this is that you know I got a whole wealth of business development knowledge from operations, management, sales, marketing, you know, and I think it, it did serve me well at that time to do all those things because you know when you're at that early stage of your career, you're trying to figure out what should I do or how should I do it or what am I good at. So I think doing all those things was awesome. Um, and then when I went to this company called The Product Farm, which is a um, industrial design firm and product uh, d- design, and actually they even started making products. We had this product called Vino to Go, the wine sippy cup, which was basically <laughs> like a tumbler that was shaped in the in a wine glass. And so I blogged about it, and it just exploded. Like I think. I, I, gotta, I wish I could tell you I was like the super amazing genius blogger with magical words and that yeah. caused it to happen. But frankly, it was a little bit of a good timing getting this product. And for whatever reason, in drinkware, no one had come up with a wine style tumbler. And so um, we were working with this company that had created that and the, the company had been doing a little bit of design work on that. And so this thing just blew up like crazy. And, you know, uh, People were just like, where can I get that? Where can I get that? And so I was playing around with Pinterest and that further just like, like it was almost like there was mm. so much popularity that I just had to dr- put in a drop of like, of information out there. And like Pinterest, for example, that the crowd on Pinterest was just the sharing elements. Um, it just, it just proliferated like crazy. So that was a great experience with, you know, social media and like, pushing a very popular product. Anderson Cooper talked about it on his show and Steve Harvey talked about it on his show. And, um, you know, it just picked, it just got this crazy momentum. And and then I will say it kind of petered out and, but there's still been, you know, a crazy amount of demand. But my point of saying all this is like, I've kind of had these crazy marketing and business experiences. Oh, and then with college hunks, we actually were on, uh, hoarding buried alive you know those shows about hoarders (laughs) right so i like if anyone wants to look watch the craziest show ever tiny little monsters um look up that show it was so disturbing like i was actually more disturbed when i watched the show compared to even being in the house which (laughs) doesn't make any sense because (laughs) they make it it so dramatic in the show and they you know they only show the worst stuff exactly so but to be honest with you that was like uh, just crazy experience. So I know that sounds really random to share, but they're just kind of random fun stories. But also, they really defined my sort of experience in business development. And I think the fact that I was in something other than tech and IT actually kind of allowed me to just focus on the role and like think about it from that standpoint. Because obviously, like 
I, both of those companies weren't necessarily my like. It's not like they. I wanted them to be my trade. It was like I wanted to learn the business skills associated with those companies and brands, and they were kind of cool too. Like in terms of, so we we got some different creative freedom, as in with any startup, right? You you get a lot more sort of uh, impact and power, and um, yeah. I mean, you so know, that's, I want to I want to stay on that for a sec because sure. So uh, you know, what, how do you find um, the that the you know and, and this is something that i i feel like a lot of people miss when they're especially computer business owners when they're doing their own marketing um, oh yeah the the power of having a good service or product to begin with cuz oh, you, yeah. you said it like you you just put it out there and it just caught on like wildfire and i i know a lot of uh computer business owners they they they, they rack their brain t- trying to find a way to spin uh, their business or their service offerings to make it like viral or, or to make it catch on. When really, I think you know, all of a lot of most of the effort I feel should go into making this service or product outstanding, and then kind of the the marketing almost takes care of itself as long as you make sure to put it in the right spots. You know, you are wise behind, but beyond your years. No, that is so <laughs> awesome. That's no, that is a great perspective. I couldn't agree more because I've been in exact situations where you're, you know. It's like you can turn on the tap and create all this activity, but it's like, what if you aren't serving those customers well? That actually is the worst thing that could happen because now you've got all this influx of new business and they're not being taken care of. And I, I would almost argue that that seems to be a much bigger issue than actually getting the business itself. I think keeping up with it, like when people are on Oprah, for example, their producers will vet out your company, vet out all your systems, make sure you can handle the demand because if they have you on that show, you know, you're going to get a crazy amount of like an influx of new, you know, interest, popularity users. Can your website handle it? Can your phones handle it? Right. Because there's nothing worse than your website crashing from an influx. And ask me how I know that, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen it happen. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're totally right. I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, and also just to add on to what you just said, when I was talking about the Vino to go, keep in mind that was a B to C business to consumer product. Mm-hmm. We're working in a business to business world, much different strokes. I mean, I think you can right. still bring some of the like fun from B to C marketing, but it has to be a little bit more like high level and like logical and sort of you kind of have to you have to articulate things a little bit differently. You know, uh, when I look at B2B marketing compared to B2C marketing, it's night and day. And to some degree, I feel like B2B is like, they bring out the big guns because you. this is like, you know, someone trying to sell to Google, someone trying to sell to HP, someone trying to sell to Microsoft. Like, if you're trying to sell to those companies, you're going to probably like bring all the firepower you could possibly have. So right. it's, it's interesting for me to kind of um, come into the enterprise world Compared to like a, a long, long career of doing more consumer marketing, yeah, I noticed a huge difference. And so I can see why that's such a challenge because you want that viral like things to blow up. But frankly, that mostly mostly happens with B2C. So that's you know, a good point. Yeah, that's a good distinction to make. But there is that dollar raisers guy, although I guess that's B2C now that I think about it. But like that guy, I feel like he he was going for kind of like a business crowd, but kept it fun. He's got this really zany right. video of his razors, but I think you, there might be ways to kind of balance like a voice like that. But I'd say for the most part, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that B2B tends to be, from what I view and my observation, not maybe not completely right, seems to be a little bit more conservative in the sense that it's bigger stakes, bigger money, bigger problems, bigger like 
everything in terms of the whole discussion. So right. I think that's another piece of why the marketing is different with that um, that sort of segment compared to like B to C, where you can be a little more goofy and fun and and but at, but like when I see enterprises, I feel like the discussion has to be a little bit different, you know? Right? Yeah, and that that's a good point. So uh, the, there is definitely a difference between the the consumer product and the business service. And I know a lot of our our listeners kind of do both. They uh, they provide services to residential folks, consumers, um, just everyday average computer users, or they may also be selling their services to small businesses, um, or they might be doing one or the other exclusively. Um, but I, I think probably the biggest challenge that, that they face is just getting the, getting the message out there, letting people know they exist, and then getting them to... Um, go to their website or or go to their social media accounts and actually you know pick up the phone and call them so I, I guess have you gained any insights since working with network remedy how to get um, prospects uh, to to first of all know network remedy exists and then to get them to pick up the phone sure so so you're asking sort of what is the process of just tell us all your secrets. What's the magic formula? <laughs> got it. Got it. So, you know, I feel like it's, it's, um, I don't want to say a mistake, but I feel like going from digital only, uh, so, okay. So I think the, the magical formula would be like, yay, I put out a blog post or tweet, uh, post on LinkedIn, uh, et cetera. Someone clicks on my website and is like, yes, I want that. And they're like, hey, I want to hire you, please let's do business, right? That's sort of the magical goal formula. Right. But as I had alluded to you earlier when, you know, I mentioned I had given a talk on marketing at a MSP MSP world, all these mediums get saturated eventually. So I always say focus on your messaging first. Like what like get that messaging tight. And it's something I'm still, you know, tweaking and like rethinking or like pitching to somebody and then thinking like, okay, like, did they seem to get it? Or like, how was it? So I would almost say, pretend there's no social media, pretend there's no marketing channels and just Mm. pretend you only have your message and you have to like tell it to this group of people in this room. And the reason I say that is because I want people to sort of remove all the noise, the noise being all those channels, which one should I use? I don't know, which is the best and just focus on your message. And I liked what you said earlier too, about focusing on your service. But since you're asking marketing uh, specifically, I'll, I'll stick to that. So you focus on your message and you get it really tight. Your pitch is great. I would say pitching that to people in person, whether you do a seminar, a lunch and learn, a course, uh, sort of a, you know, a live sort of a, Fireside chat panel, you know, there's all these different formats and names. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, I personally have been looking more towards sort of the like course slash seminar format, like maybe in shorter form, like maybe like an hour or two or three. Or if you're so inclined and want to put together something longer, please do. I actually wish more people would do that around here because I would love to attend more courses like that and learn, you know, different things. I think Microsoft was doing a Microsoft uh, roadshow and they had two days where you could basically like, get a bunch of free, um, free courses and free, um, just teaching, you know? And by the way, Microsoft, in my opinion, has some of the best marketing in the cloud space. The best. I mean, interesting. they, I actually told everyone at my presentation, like, look at what Microsoft's doing because 
they're great at storytelling. They're great at promoting case studies. You're, I'm going through the airport. I see a billboard about how the cloud helped Real Madrid and the soccer, you know, soccer stuff. Nice. And so I'm like, whoa. So, you know, I think I would say, look at what the pros are doing, focus on your message, and then actually try pitching like in person, because I feel like in IT and the cloud and whatever, you know, permutation of those services you're using, you know, it's a people business. Like I interviewed this guy, uh, David Bryden, who's a MSP in Orange County. And he was saying, yeah, you know, people still want to see the whites of your eyes. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Hmm. Um, and so I would almost say reverse your use of digital tools, go in person first and then leverage the digital tools to keep up with those people. Now, does that sound a little crazier than, than what most people say? Because we're told like, Use all these tools and like tweak yeah, them. Get on social media, blog, you know, do all this stuff behind I've the computer. I had great experience just meeting people in person. And then I realized, hey, maybe I should like pitch more to people in person. And so um, that's sort of a, a shift, you know, that I've had from doing purely digital and like you can hit digital super hard and like be putting out really good content and even promoting it well to some degree. But I kind of feel like, um, like, I think this is why this format is so cool. And like, when we talked and then I listened to your show, it was like, I had talked to you and then I'm hearing your show and it's like, I'm hearing your voice. There's much more intimacy. A blog post does not have that intimacy. Written stuff does not have that intimacy. And I think right. all of a sudden I realized it. I was like, you know, I think the problem is, is that your messaging is just impersonal if you don't have the experience of you behind it. And that's, again, back to why this medium is so good because they're hearing you, they're hearing me, they're hearing how we think, how we are, our personality comes through. Our personality does not come through in a blog. I wish it did. I mean, it can if you're a really, really good writer. Right, but, it's tough. But it's tough, yeah, much yeah. tougher. And I would say most people in our field are probably, I think there's a sticking point around creating that content. So another piece is don't feel like you have to just write. You can record yourself. Um, I actually feel like, this is my magical medium talking. And because like, you know, I, I could probably, okay. So just to give you so, a reference point, if we talk for 45 minutes or 50 minutes, that's like 15 pages worth of written content. <laughs> so it's true. like crazy to think of it like that, but it's yeah. like, no, seriously. Like, so I think we were kind of locked into like, Oh, I got to write or, but it's like, no, like there's this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, and you should totally put him in your, your show notes as a really excellent marketer and media guy. He's like doing, Snapchatting constantly and like constantly interfacing with the web. Like he does these things called the daily V. And I'm not saying everyone should do what he does because he's got like people following him around with cameras and all that. But maybe like, I guess what I'm trying to say is step up your communication of what you do. Even if it's like you, like I was kind of, I was visiting the team up in San Jose where the company's based. And I was like, having so much fun just like taking pictures of me and the guys, like almost like a selfie. But I was like, you know, it was fun, but I was like, you know, that IT life, you know, you know, fixing someone's stuff, you know, <laughs> help desk. Like we need to sort of have more showing rather than telling, you know, like show people what you're doing, right. show them. And, and this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk is great at doing that because he's like running around all day in meetings and like, He'll have people Snapchatting him questions. And then there's this guy filming him. So you, you see him right. sort of Snapchatting at different people that are asking him questions. He just has an unprecedented level of like interaction and engagement. engagement. Yeah. And it's, it, I'm not going to lie. I'm not that crazy, but you know, I, 
I am friendly and outgoing, but like when I see people like that, I'm just like, whoa, there's like so many more levels you can take this to. Yeah. So I love, like, uh, you know, I, and I follow Gary V too, and, and oh, I see what he does. And, and the, uh, the, the great thing about, and I think the great takeaway from what he does is it's, it's not fancy. It's not in front of a green screen. It's not scripted. It's just him talking about what he does and like he's just sitting across the table from you with a webcam kind of look, you know. And yeah. I think that's that's something you can do as a business owner. You don't have to worry about getting an HD camera, getting a studio, getting the right lighting. You just flip open your laptop, fire up the the built-in camera and talk to the camera as if it is a potential client. Say, hey, this is what we do. This is a story about a client we worked with the other day and how we got them over this particular problem. Throw it up on YouTube and there you go. Hey, you know, it it took 10, 15 minutes out of your day. And it could be the thing that speaks to that one client that ends up being your, you know, your rock star client. Exactly. And actually it's funny, I was watching um the Daily V, I think it was yesterday, and Someone actually sent him a Snapchat and they were actually in, in your field. They were in IT and he said, you know, I'm an IT repair shop. So this is actually a perfect oh, nice. tip for your uh, for your crowd. And he said, what should I do to generate more business, more leads? And Gary said, you know what you should do, man? You should make a 40 second video every day of, with some IT tip and just keep doing that. And I was like, mm. wow, how simple is that? The idea is simple. The execution is the tough part. And that's what I think you'll find is that the hard part is the execution. I mean, you've clearly gotten over the hump by doing the show. And, but I think that's the thing. Like, even, even myself, like, I'm doing the show. I'm comfortable doing the show. I'm in a good groove. And, um, but then it's like, wait, now we need to add live streaming or now we need to, <laughs> you know, do some other stuff. And it might throw you off a little bit because you're thinking, well, I, I figured out blogging or I figured out podcasting or I figured out posting on social media. And now it's like, you want me to do Snapchat or like live stream or like, but at yeah. the end of the day, that's again, back to my original point, messaging. Who cares what channel, if your messaging is awesome, your stories right. are awesome, then it really doesn't matter. Like give me like this arugula app. That's the next biggest thing. Fine. I'll talk into that. I don't care. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter. You know, yep. I mean, not yeah, to be there's, too there's silly. A guy but. In, there's a guy in our industry. Um, I don't know if you've heard him. heard of him. He's called Eli, the computer guy. Oh, I love Eli. Yeah. Isn't he in your area or he's in Baltimore? I think. Um, I, I think so. I, he, uh, I'm not sure exactly. He was one of the first people I encountered when I was like putting together content on what is the cloud. He had an amazing, it was like 40 minutes, like not 40 seconds, 40 yeah. minute video, yeah. but it was so <laughs> in depth. And really well done. So I actually like that guy a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so he's he's doing exactly what we're talking about, right? He just gets in front of a camera, talks about a, a specific topic, whether it's he's talking to computer business owners or, or end users, and he's built a nice little empire out of just oh yeah, you know. And he starts drawing charts, videos. and like once yeah. you start drawing charts, then it's on. <laughs> that's the next level. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So um, yeah, no, that's that's great. No, those are great uh, great points and thoughts because it's like. It just gets really, um, it just gets really like busy and noisy and saturated. And yeah. I really like to remove the it's noise. Overwhelming. Yeah. Because like, if you can kind of just say like, like to your point about stories and all that, and I'm still like, you know, cracking this code, you know, so it's, it's something that, like I said, observing Microsoft and, and seeing how they conduct themselves, like literally the fact that they're doing that, that road show with the two day free courses that literally validated my idea of, Maybe I should offer some kind of like free introductory course on different subject matter. And yeah. then I would add to that, get creative about how you talk about that subject matter. Like, could you be talking about productivity? For example, we are migrating people into Office 365. And then I had the insight, wait a minute, like 
okay, here's a great tool, but like you're only productive if you know how to use the tool well. So, you know, I've been thinking about like, mm. you know, what's the best way to use Office 365? In fact, what's the best way to use apps in general? I was even thinking about it. I'm like, I just kind of started using them and tinkering with them. Like most social media um, has, it's been that way. I didn't read a book on like, how do you use Twitter? How do you use Facebook? You just start using it. But then I've realized, wait, but it's, it might be, make sense to step back and think about what's the most effective way to use that from a productivity standpoint. And I think most people don't actually step back and think of it from that angle. So I think sometimes, kind of like how we're talking about marketing now, the angle isn't always tech specifically. It's like some auxiliary piece of tech that's very important, like productivity or functionality. Um, That can also get obscured in the discussion of tech itself. So I like making all these distinctions just to kind of make it easy for people to understand things and, you know. I think a really big yeah. takeaway that you mentioned is to, to and it bears repeating, um, you know, pay attention to the leaders in the industry, the, the people who are doing what either you eventually want to be doing or who, who have been doing what you've been doing for a long time or who yeah. are the, you know, the leaders in your space and, and do what they're doing because they obviously have the time and money and experience to, you know, know what works and, uh, and to have the resources to put together something that, that is working for them. So, you know, don't reinvent the wheel in that respect. Um, Absolutely. Look, look to those, look to those folks and, and, and emulate what they're doing. And, and, uh, and I also love, uh, you mentioned, uh, that what you love about Microsoft is they were using stories and case studies and real world examples. And I think that's another thing that, that folks in our, uh, in our industry don't do enough of um, that you know we're used to um, talking specs and talking features and and talking technology that we don't think about you know the people the stories of the people that we help and you know you can say you if you work with like a, a bakery putting together their POS system you can you know ask of course ask them if it's okay or if it's not okay you can just you know not mention their name, but say, hey, we worked with this bakery. They were having this issue with their POS system. We fixed it and now they're able to, you know, take credit cards from an iPad as they walk around the bakery and and you, you know, talk about the success they had. And I think that would really speak to the potential clients that are out there that might be having those same issues. Totally. Totally. Um yeah, like I said, just just go to Microsoft's website and look at how they um like you know, obviously we're not on video here, but I can just quickly uh, articulate it. Like, you know, just look at their their buttons, you know, like um, look at the color of it. Like the, it says, uh, you know, missed Azure Con, watch now. So they have a way you can watch this previous conference they had. They have sign up and deploy your first cloud solution in under five minutes. Try for free. Bam. It's green. It's like there, there's this whole science of like design, uh, UX, UI, user experience, user right. interface. And I do call it a science because that's exactly what it is. I mean, we often don't think of it as a science. We think of it as like, whatever, it's some design stuff. Yeah, but they have optimized this. Companies across the board, Amazon, like there's somebody constantly optimizing buttons. That's their whole uh, job. Yeah, and that so, can be you know, a whole podcast episode onto it. Right, but, too, <laughs> but back to the original point, this is why you can look at, like, I'm on SlideShare on LinkedIn. You know, I got my slide um, from that presentation I mentioned, which hopefully you'll link to in the show notes. But, you know, there's an upload button in the top right of SlideShare that's orange and, like, the background's kind of black and white, and it stands out. It's like, oh, yeah, upload. So, you know, that's another right. thing on your websites, you know, make stuff obvious. Like, you know, if you need have an opt-in uh, place, you want someone to sign up for a newsletter or a guide or a course, 
make it obvious, make it easy. We're still c- working on that ourselves. So, you know, don't look at our website too hard because we're, we got some stuff in the works, <laughs> but you know, that's sure. the thinking there. That's the thinking yeah, there. Exactly. Um, um, and that's, I think the whole point is to, uh, you know, is to kind of like create, like leverage these different sort of, uh, insights and sciences and case studies and, it doesn't have to mean you have to be Microsoft or build an empire. Uh, frankly, like kind of what you explained Paco doing and what you're doing, um, there's no reason that it can't be applied to your own small or r- bigger than small business and make it really efficient. And if anything, this is just kind of making your life easier because your marketing is kind of, I hate to say on autopilot, that sounds a little too like uh, hands off, but yeah. it, it can be very automated without a right. doubt. Um and you set you it up of, once, and then it just continues working for you. Exactly, exactly. Like uh, if you ever sign up for free courses, and you get those sort of like email like uh, sequences of information, you know, stuff like that. Like right. that's where I feel like marketers and internet marketers uh, really have it figured out. And that's where we can start g- coming back to like, okay, what are the tools and what are the channels to use? Yep. I would just say automation as a concept, and then you pick tools that can help you with that, whether it's right. a CRM that helps you keep track of follow-ups, whether it's an automated marketing system where you can kind of set up a sequence of emails. So when someone opts into a, um, let's say you've got some free, like how to, you know, like uh, intro to IT repair or, you know, whatever is useful to your customers, biggest problems of biggest IT problems that are easy to fix, uh, ebook guide, whatever you download it, get their info. And then there's a sequence of emails that would go out to them. Again, that's something that um, I think everyone wants like this perfect solution, but even the best marketers are constantly testing. So you have to kind of play scientist and try this, try that. And probably the biggest issue is documenting what you did and then uh, checking out the results. So um, that's not, I think natural for everyone, but that is the that if there is a secret sauce, that would be it. Yeah, and and you, and you mentioned this a few times um, throughout this this talk that you know you're still figuring stuff out and you're still testing and tweaking. And I think the the big takeaway uh, through through that thread is that marketing is never done. You're never yeah. you never just put together a plan and say, okay, I'm done. I'm done with marketing. Let me go work on something else. It's mm-hmm. it's something you you're even the big boys are constantly tweaking, constantly testing, constantly looking at things that that work and don't work. It's always evolving. Yeah. So it's well, it, you know Yeah, exactly. And think about this. Google, of all people, Google, you would think they've owned the world by now, right? Google is actually behind in the cloud race and they mm. just uh, hired Diane Greenberg. Um, she was the um, founder of VMware, and she had a startup. They bought her startup for like 150 million, and then they're like, "Oh, here's 150 million in Alphabet stock. Please come and help Google develop and sell our enterprise solutions, including the cloud." Thank you very mm. much. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like Microsoft and Amazon are like zooming ahead, and so yeah, Google's cra- never been really good at marketing, from what I've noticed. They just put stuff out there, and if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Right, right. And I think that's due to their engineering-heavy culture. Nothing right. against engineers. It's just like I've I've talked to a lot of people in that space, and they definitely don't think in terms of marketing. So sure. it kind of makes sense, you know, like what you're saying. Um, but at the same time, like. I guess I'm just pointing. I'm just pointing that out to say everyone's trying to figure this out, right. especially with this subject matter. I almost feel like if someone could convince Gary V to be like flipping out about the cloud, we would be in good shape. <laughs> or IT, right? Because it's like the way he goes about it is like you put any subject matter in his sort of crosshairs, and like 
he's going to make it awesome. So I think there's something to be gained. that passion factor. Exactly. I think that's the probably the piece that um, maybe our industry could use a little more of is sort of that like super like high energy. And I got to be honest with you, I think if we were even a fraction of that energy, um, which I feel like you and I, you know, we got to like upbeat, you know, your show pretty upbeat. We try to keep it ours upbeat. Um, that's actually a good thing for the industry because it keeps it accessible and interesting. And right. um, like sometimes you read these forums and it's just so dry and heavy and like, Everyone's so smart and like read and like it's just like oh my god I don't know what I, to do here. <laughs> it is it is scary for the average person and they yeah. they're intimidated by even just trying to figure out what it needs they need what services they need it's it's overwhelming and scary for a lot of people and yeah I think having an upbeat personality treating it like uh, it's it's something fun and something accessible it can make a big difference. Oh, big time. Um, let's see. I'm. I got my presentation here. I didn't know if. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. There so, were any um, other so this was a you presentation you said you you gave at uh, MSP World. Conference? Yeah, exactly. And I, I've kind of gone over quite a lot of the, you know, um, main points. But like I was saying, you know, uh, looking at UX and UI, looking at other companies, how their stuff look, how their stuff looks. I actually opt into tons of newsletters and eBooks and guides. Way too many, to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, I really. Yeah. Um, I actually am constantly taking screenshots of like the opt-in page, like what was the page after that? And then after after that, and like, you yeah. know, I I just try to pay attention to what is like a really smooth experience because sometimes you just opt into so much stuff and it's easy to forget, like, wait, how what just happened? Because <laughs> right. you just, you know, you just w- zoomed right in. So yeah. um you yeah, know. it's good to to do all that. Yeah, sign up for everything and pay attention to what they're doing and take yep. away what you like about the experience and use exactly. that in your own marketing. That's a good. And I missed the uh, Cloud Roadshow Microsoft, but I would totally, if anyone is um, in a place they're going, check that out. And I would love to, you know, I'm going to try to go to another one or, you know, I might even try to reach out to them and, and get them to come on the show because oh, yeah. I think it's a great strategy and I'd love to know, I would love to go to those events and see how they're doing what they do. So again, you know, like a lot of this is just paying attention. All right, guys, so we had a little technical issue there. Um, uh, not surprisingly, you know, as as computer techs, we know that, uh, Nothing's perfect, and and computer issues can happen. So, Aaron, let people know what happened uh, and why you got disconnected. Oh, that's from the funny. Call. Yeah. So, my uh, computer essentially like decided to do an update, and it just was like, "Hey, I'm gonna unilaterally update myself." Like now is clearly <laughs> the time, not later. So, it just You're did using it. Uh, Windows 10. I'm actually still on on this older laptop on Windows 7. Believe it or okay. not. Okay. So, uh, I'm sure heavily they're gonna keep like working on me to like do that free <laughs> yeah, upgrade. Yeah, they really right? want you to. I'm surprised it wasn't uh, an upgrade that uh, they just That just happened. They were like, that's yeah. it. We're tired <laughs> of your it. seven. No um, more recording. We're exactly. Just... But you know, this this is actually a great thing to point out about IT and in general is that I think there's this, it's kind of like a PR thing because when stuff goes wrong, it like makes everyone look bad. Oh my God, Amazon, AWS is out, outage. But at the end of the day, like that is the whole reason these different businesses and companies exist because stuff happens. I mean, like the fact mm-hmm. that we had to sort of do our own little like troubleshooting ourselves. I mean, that's actually like pretty par for the course, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I'm actually, uh, I, you know, knock on wood, most of my shows have been pretty, like, pretty smooth, you know, but definitely little things right. like that are, that's why people are in this business. That's why people are there. Uh, and then when you start incorporating, um, you know, like, 
enterprises and like enterprise level a lot on data the line at that and, level yeah. yeah i mean you've got people to deal with you've got the sensitivity of data and just the the stakes of that work um and you're right in the middle of it we're right in the middle of it like yep. the techs are right in the middle of it and it's amazing it's amazing it's, um, it's great job security i mean that's that's the bottom <laughs> yeah. line is there's always and i and there's a lot of folks um who listen to this show not a lot but every now and then i'll get some folks who say you know oh um break fix uh computer repair is dead or desktops are dead or laptops are dead or mobile's going to take over everything or this or that. And well, maybe, but there's always going to be a need for folks who are technologically um, astute and understand how all this stuff works to be there to help folks, you know, get work through this stuff. Always. It's always going to be a need. And so I think uh, IT services are just in their infancy now and it's just going to continue to grow. You know, that's a really interesting thing to discuss because on our show, I like I had told you um, when we had our interview, I, I was totally surprised because um, I think there's this tendency for the industry, particularly sort of the uh, managed services and cloud space to say, you know, proactive management is the way now. And um, But then I realized after talking to you, not only is BreakFix alive and well, but there's people that prefer that model. And to your point, I think... It will just evolve like what Paco's doing, where he is essentially doing sort of a managed services, but for residents. And that's really pretty brilliant because he can essentially probably work on a smaller scale compared to like serving an enterprise. Because, you know, one thing I've realized is like if you have one residential client, that's one residential client, they're probably not going to scale into 50. (laughs) Unless maybe they like become a hackerspace, maybe you'll get a few more people coming in there, right? (laughs) Right. But for the most part, they're not going to become 50 users. Whereas with an enterprise, they could become like, hundreds of users and that has happened with some of our clients they started at right. like 50 and then all of a sudden they're getting funding and more support and now they're at several hundred and it's like oh, what so as a managed right. services provider uh as a cloud services provider as a cloud consultant an IT consultant you're kind of always on and you have to help companies deal with their growth and that's sort of our value proposition is we're bringing enterprise grade tools to smaller businesses that are growing that may not know what to do and um you know those are great customers for us but like back to your point about break fix being dead it's like not really if anything iot might um kind of keep that more sort of b2c side like re- you know like residential model right. quite quite alive and well because there's going to be even more complexity when all these different things we have are now attached to all these different computers i mean in a way it might be more valuable it might make your offering more valuable because you're there's more things that you can help them with and manage and uh you know i had this really interesting insight the other day about um green like the sort of green angle and you know i was thinking about how you know virtualizing into the cloud or moving data into the cloud reducing a server you know there's an environmental impact there's some crazy statistic like 20% of a server's capacity is utilized like for most of the year i think they literally are planning for this like spike in capacity like once a year like when everyone goes to their website around christmas okay in november we get a spike so literally they they might get close to max capacity that one month and then the rest of the time it's just sitting around and it's like that's insane. And so, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how we can quantify some of those um like 
Yeah. Just that data, you know, because the, the ROI on going to the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. And get really specific. Cause at the end of the day, it's like business cases, business use cases. And um, so that's kind of the enterprise side, you know, you, you read my mind uh, on one question I was going to ask, oh. which was how, what, what are some of the strategies you're using in uh, network remedy to, um, to get clients who are kind of resistant to moving their stuff to the cloud, how do you convince them that it's probably not the best idea to have everything on premises, um, but their resistance because you know they don't trust the cloud or they they don't they don't like giving up control. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think you know one of those one of the ways you can do that is um, you know giving them the the cost benefit analysis and the uh, the environmental impact and all that stuff that's a good way to spin it was there any other other kind of strategies you're looking for in that in that way um yeah that's a really good point you know i have encountered a little bit of resistance but it's often from like upper management like you know right. the people that are maybe uh tasked with taking on some kind of it services they they can get pretty sensitive about you like touching their network or being like you know, just it's a very sensitive situation. So you, mm-hmm. there can be resistance. Like um, we do a network assessment, and we did have a client that was kind of like, "Well, we want to make sure you know corporate says it's okay." So you may have to just sort of um, find all the de- decision makers and stakeholders and inform them. Um, I'm actually creating content. I mean, back to the whole content and marketing thing. Like, I hope that what people get out of this is that marketing doesn't have to be this like. Yay, cat picture, it's gone viral. It can be very specific and niche. Like my point would be we don't need to have millions of people following our videos going viral. In fact, that would probably not be that helpful because arguably you might not be able to even handle all the business if you got a million views on YouTube. So <laughs> right. actually maybe you only want like a hundred or a thousand. Um yep. and maybe that's okay because you know that is serving your business model. So um so I would say strategies, I mean, you know, uh niche niche out your content so like um if there's an objection or there's problems maybe you could collect them and then create content that sort of alleviates that like for me for example nice. we have this network assessment so i actually interviewed the uh company that that um does the network assessment you know and i, I i'm Perfect. gonna i still have to figure out how i want to like deploy that content obviously it's a show and an interview but i'm also thinking hey that could be an aid so you know whatever area um that applies for you. Um, if there's sticking points for people, I would definitely like gather the data for them and just present it to them. And you know what? I got to be honest. If people are like seriously being like uh, just really like annoying to deal with, I hate to say it like that, but <laughs> yeah. I, maybe, you know, oh, that's they, they're kind they, of self filtering, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's sort of a self filtering. Right. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I have noticed that in a lot of, uh, like sort of seminars and stuff I've been to around for MSPs and IT, there's actually like sort of a vetting process on the side of the supplier, or I'm sorry, the provider. Like right, they not every are client actually, is going to be a good client. Yeah, so it's like uh, it's kind of a funny like game of like you are also evaluating them, and obviously you want to be like you know super friendly, uh, super like. Uh, sort of polite and give them all the all the information, but I also kind of have this thought of I don't think it it makes sense to serve every single person, particularly if they're not going to value you or they're going to kind of just be right. really annoying to deal with, or and and especially if there's not the like revenue to sort of justify that. And I know that sounds really like superior superiority, but I mean at the end of the day, like this is a very valuable like skill and work. So I think that's an, that's one thing I've learned about is like getting really clear on your value and being so like um like I was talking to this guy who was 
kind of helped and given me some tips with the, with with my pitch and stuff. And his comment was, "You just need to be so firm in your resolve that." You know, yeah. you are it. And when you pitch to people, they're just like, wow. It's kind of like the Gary V mojo a little bit. Like, take some of that just intensity and just crank it up a little bit. I don't think we need to go that hardcore um, because in our, I mean, if anything, that might be a little too much for some niches. But I think a little sure. bit of of intensity uh, goes a long way, you know, especially if people are a little more like... Uh, just the uh, sleepier kind of crowd or they're exuberant. thinking it's going to be boring <laughs> and they're just like almost ready yeah. to go to sleep before you even start talking. And if you can kind of add a little intensity and keep it interesting, I think that really that, will stimulate people. That's part of what you can do in your marketing is use your marketing as a filter as well. So you're yeah. putting out your personality, your what you do best, the way you work, and people are going to see that and they're going to be like, I want to work with this guy or yeah. I don't want to work with this guy exactly. or this company and and that mark so don't be afraid that's a good that's a great lesson don't be afraid to put your personality into your marketing because that's going to serve as a filter to make sure that only the kind of clients that you enjoy working with are going to be contacting you absolutely like absolutely that. um and you know I think that is how it should be, you know, you should filter and like uh, Gary V, you know, like he loves dropping little like, like vulgarities or F bombs or whatever. Yeah. And I'll notice like on LinkedIn, he'll post something like, put me the F out of business or whatever. And like, <laughs> I'll notice people like in the comments unfollowing. And I'm just like, there you go, filtering. Like maybe yep. you want to drop like an F bomb in your news- newsletter just because like that's the level you want to be at. You want to be able to like not be super like uh, sensitive about it and maybe like, uh, Maybe that's kind of what you do, or maybe you're like, nah, you know, I'm a little more conservative. Like I'm, you know, I cater to a more sensitive, like clientele, like, and, and I, I think it is culturally driven. Like Gary Vee's like, whatever, I'm going to say wherever if I want. And if you don't like it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I have a 600 person media company and I'm successful. Like, what right. do you mean? Like, so yeah. I think there's something to be said about, um, yeah, just kind of finding your crowd and tribe and, um, and then figuring out how to communicate to them. I mean, we actually have found some niches that are like, a little bit less formal. And, and we actually prefer that because they're actually easier to deal with and they're ready to go. So, you know, right. that's another thought. This is almost more in, along the lines of sales um, and, and sort of segment thinking. But, you know, you want to think of a low-hanging fruit, like with pa- what Paco is doing with the residential um, model. You know, maybe he's putting together little like block parties and he's like, guys, you know, the world's getting more complex. Here's how tech it, you know, here's where tech is. Here's where it's going. Here's what I do. I'm going to be doing this for a while. I'd love, I want to serve, you know, more neighborhood, like people like yourselves. And, you know, you can talk to Jim right here. Like you can ask him what he thinks and here's a bunch of wine. Have fun. But, um, <laughs> right. you know, um, he doesn't need to maybe be going to uh, investor festival and trying to get those guys to like listen to him. He's fine with just talking to his you know smaller client client base. Yeah, Yeah, or or like let's say you want to go for an enterprise, you niche out, you pick that niche. What I'm finding is when you start niching out you will find like associations within that niche. Like if you're going right. for a building or something and, and it's crazy because if you don't niche out, you don't discover those like associations. But when you do, you just re- realize like how deep whole that new gets. World. Yeah. yeah. Opens so, up. so I think um, this kind of combines marketing and sales of like, who is your audience? And then, cause I found um, just sharing a little bit from my experience, I found myself getting super scattered and 
that was not a good feeling like on a, yeah. on a business development or sales level. Cause it's like, you're talking to all these people, but it just felt like no one was quite the right person. And then right. as soon as I got clear on the niche and I'm like these, you know, I went to this meet, we had all hands on meeting where, you know, we were sort of onboarding this new client and telling them about what we do. And I was just observing and absorbing what the team was saying. And I was realizing, wow, like this is a great niche. So, you know, let's, mm. let's target that niche here. Focus on that. And yeah. I'm finding um, that so far it's been a really good idea. And then also when you talk to like, let's say there's some other salespeople that might be good allies for you that know a lot of people, that's another thing. Build partnerships, allies, even if it's people that are in a totally different industry, um, you could partner up with them and do these sort of events together. Like you're talking about tech, they're talking about what they're talking about. If you can find a way to combine the subject matter, like I was saying about productivity, for example, like we could talk about productivity from the standpoint of like, how to use apps better, how to use these tools better. Um, you know, you could even incorporate some stuff like HR and payroll processing or like ways to help a business process. Cause like I've realized is that it's about business process more than it is about tech or as much as it is about tech. And people forget that. So um Yeah, that's I mean, that's this is all stuff that that we we've we've mentioned on the podcast, and it's great that it's it's coming from someone who didn't necessarily start in IT and who's had a lot of marketing experience and in, in different different uh, different other niches um, yeah. but but this is something we've been preaching for a while now is to to find a niche focus in on a small niche of, of client or customer or service even like for me I, I focused on WordPress nice. and, right, and right, Paco's right. focusing on on residential folks who are looking for you know something a little bit higher level than just a regular break fix yeah. and and it's it's kind of counterintuitive that you narrow your scope, and yet when you do that, it all of a sudden this huge world opens up, and all of, it just becomes so much clearer the type of clients that you want to work with, and they all show up because you're offering exactly pinpoint what they're looking for, and they they just start knocking at your door out of nowhere once you start narrowing down like that, and it's it's amazing. And then you mentioned partnerships again. You know, once you do niche down, that means you have the room to partner with folks who are in a different niche than you, but still in the same industry. So you can start partnering with other IT services companies that are in different niches and you can share share clients with each other. Exactly. And uh, and it's just it's yeah, it's well, I, I love that this is you're finding this is working in your situation as well cuz it totally. definitely seems to be working with for for me and, and other folks and and other listeners of this podcast. Mhm. And let's say you're talking to somebody, right? And you're saying I do I've said this before, you know. Well, we manage companies, you know, data and their workstations and we provide help desk services and it's like okay, but that's still a little bit like vague in terms of in their mind. So then you start saying, well, you know, like one niche we go after is uh, you know, lawyers and you know, we help them uh essentially like access all their important documents securely from any device they want um and we help sort of you know, install that functionality. So a lot of what we do is bring the solutions based on a customized sort of needs for the organization. And so I mentioned lawyers and I told the story about here's exactly how we solve their problems. So that's much more accessible. And then they're going to be going through their head thinking, what lawyers do I know, right? Versus what I said before, oh, workstations, help desk, blah, 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 the usual talking points that there's no frame of reference at all. So this niche thing is huge because that also helps people that are, might want to help you it helps them kind of go through their mental Rolodex really quick. Um, mm-hmm. Do we even have those anymore? Um, <laughs> a mental Rolodex, your CRM, yes. <laughs> whatever your mental CRM, your mental CRM. Um, yeah. you know, 
and and so that's kind of what I've literally found. Um, and hey, back to this show itself, my show or our show or the yeah the show we do. Um, that's narrow casting, and I think right. if we were sort of um. And and I think it's interesting how you're focusing on sort of the more of the like break fix sort of uh, evolving into managed services angle, and I'm kind of uh, aiming at the like I don't know anything to like I know a little bit about IT in the cloud or I'm conversant in IT in the cloud. That's sort of the that's the bridge I feel like I'm or the gap I'm bridging, and right. you're bridging your gap. And then there's these other podcasts that. I literally didn't really understand what was going on when I listened to them. So like I'm right. thinking, okay, well, if we do our job right, you can be conversant in cloud sort of terms. So you go to those shows and you're like, okay, I kind of know a little more about what's going on, but this is still new. So it's like um the niching is so important and you know, it doesn't mean that you have to like do what someone else is doing. You know, like I love what Paco's doing and I like your angle too with the sort of web development, but it's still sort of it's still interconnected for sure cuz uh you know, just the nature of like setting up portals and accessibility requires like this definite web development piece as well. So that's fascinating sure. to me. And and I think um yeah, the narrow the narrow casting, I mean, is a great way to just like target your local community. I mean, you know, most people yeah. like wherever they grew up or live, I mean, you probably already have contacts. I mean, I actually found it a little challenging trying to get started in LA. So if you're starting somewhere new, you gotta just Mentally head check, it's going to take time. Um, however, if you're consistent, things do happen. Like this year feels a lot better than last year in terms of like momentum and insights and like what, where do I put my energy and who do I talk to and what do I say? I mean, I, I guess like I feel like I want to emphasize it's okay to not be like super effective or amazing, you know, yet as long as you're constantly reflecting and like talking to people, engaging with the information, like looking at what other people are doing. And then, of course, the ultimate goal, bring it back to what you you're doing and try to implement it in a meaningful way. That's good for you in particular. And, um, it is easy to feel a little overwhelmed because there's like crazy competition and there's all these big players, but, um, even, even from what you said about the Paul Paco thing, I know I keep bringing that up, but like that just kind of made me realize like there's tons of room here in this industry. And I think, um, it's, let's not forget, you know, how much, uh, room there is in the industry for good people that are willing to do good work, you know? Nice. So, yep. So I think that's a great place to end it. A good, good positive note <laughs> to end yeah. on. Um, you know, there's plenty of room for folks and, and gosh, so many great, um, things brought up in this podcast. And, and we'll have a link to the, uh, the slideshow where a lot of these points, um, are, that you put together in a slide deck and we'll have that link so folks can reference that and uh, and all the other links we mentioned if just really quick if you want to um, let us know what uh, really quick what the uh, the cloud podcast is about um, sure. in case any, anybody wants to check that out yeah so we just called it the cloud you know we decided to not over uh, overdo it just keep it nice. simple um, so the cloud is I mean you know we say it's aimed at exploring all aspects of the cloud and how it affects us as people enterprises and society that's sort of our intro line but in you guys have some good guests on there too. Oh, what kind of guests? Thank you, have you thank had? you. Yeah, we we try to like we had a Sam Lambert from GitHub. We had LA's first chief data officer. Um, you know, people that are sort of steeped in in these sort of uh, in in the sort of industry. And um, we interviewed someone from Rackspace. Um, I've got a few. I've got some other people, really cool. interesting people in the pipeline. A guy from uh, Canonical who was involved in Ubuntu and. Um, Lenovo. And so it's kind of like you just meet people and you, you know, everyone's got a really interesting piece to share. So like 
our main goal is to take someone from, I don't know anything about IT in the cloud, what is that, I've heard of it, to, okay, I understand the basics and I kind of understand like what this can do for me um, because like we're actually having much of a more of a business focus. We do like to get a little bit technical, but only so that you understand like how it fits into like the bigger picture, you know, because at right. the end of the day, you got to implement something. So that's why we, we get a little bit into the weeds, but we're not necessarily trying to aim it at techs or like programmers. So I think right. that is our biggest focus is keeping it accessible. And frankly, I want all my content to kind of have that feel to it. And, um, but I so, think yeah. uh, our listeners would would enjoy the podcast because it, just me being on it, there it, a lot of good discussions were had, and, and I think you get you can get um, some good insights from some of the movers and shakers in the cloud world that too. Yeah. Um, about you know exactly what they're thinking and and where they come from and and a little bit of their background. Oh no, so, yeah, doubt. De- definitely yeah. check that out. We'll have a link to to the podcast in the show notes. And then you mentioned that network remedy. Uh, we were kind of talking after we record if after I recorded with you on the on the cloud. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, you know, I, I have a lot of my listeners are interested in partnering with, um, you know, larger MSPs to to kind of offload some of the things that they don't necessarily want to do full time in their business. You know, talking about niching down, we can uh, we can find the niche that we're good at, focus on that, and then maybe outsource or find other service providers to take care of some of the other. Um, IT services and 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 so I, I told you about that and and you said you know that's not something that Network Remedy normally does but you're looking into uh, kind of maybe offering that as as a service to other computer business owners who might want to offload some of their other um, other functionality so they can grow their business maybe present themselves as more of an MSP type of of service and maybe partner with someone like Network Remedy so how, how can we reach out to you guys about yeah, that yeah definitely do that um you can reach out to me aaron a a r o n @mangal at networkremedy.com um, i'm also on linkedin aaron mungal a a r o n m a n g a l i'm on twitter at healing vibes um i you know we've gotten this request a handful of times and to be perfectly honest with you we are very 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 excited to entertain that idea and here's another angle just to kind of put this out there to your your people um and certainly um you know we we should chat about this further but um we are interested in moving away from doing break fix work ourselves so there could be a real benefit to us also utilizing you know uh Sort of uh, accomplished, reputable break fix uh, services, particularly as we you know expand and you know we kind of will sort of evaluate things on a request basis. I would say in terms of our managed services, we are sticking to mainly like California right now. However, our cloud services that is global, but at the same time, um, we would love to explore how this could go both ways. You know, you're a awesome. break fix person and you want to um, leverage our managed services model. Uh, our cloud model, our expertise. I mean, you know, our CEO worked for IBM and Blade Networks, so he knows how to design data centers all the way to set up a help desk. So, you know, we could be putting stickers on your workstations or we could be like, okay, you want a data center? Like, how do you want that to look? So, and then as a result of that, you know, we've gotten clear on where our value is. So we've realized, you know, we don't necessarily want our team spending time on break fix work. So we would actually love to have, you know, a team of different, you know, break fix, you know, repair people that are know what they're doing, consultants that know that business very, very well. And since we're trying to sort of move away from it, I definitely think, and he and our CEO said this, you know, pointedly, um, that there could definitely be partnerships going both ways. So um, if anyone even has 
if you're just curious, if you already have something in mind, if you want to just chat and see what see what what we could do, we would love to do that. And I think um, I think there's a lot of partnerships. Like you know, you totally opened me up to it when you asked me, like, oh, like do you guys ever white label? Because I had gotten that question before, but I just never didn't realize like how strong that model still is. And I feel like yeah. we can kind of augment them without them having to be as i was saying always on because like when you're an msp right. it's always on it's crazy whereas you guys are kind of like you can turn it off which is kind of cool and i can uh, per me personally i can appreciate that because so often in business it's always on and you never turn it off so i, I think it's nice to you know you can have your uh you know, you can you can just structure it a little bit differently. So, uh, yeah. cool. So great, yeah. uh, great potential opportunity for for listeners if you want to to work with uh, a larger MSP. Um, you know, see how they can help you. See how you can help them. It, it would be a great synergy. And I I love that you're you guys are open to 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 doing this and putting that out there. So I oh, love yeah. uh, helping out my listeners. So oh, if you guys are interested, definitely reach out to Aaron. Yeah, and, and um, you've got and you've already taught me so many great resources like with Mixmac, with the scheduling and Zencaster. <laughs> so I love learning right. from different people because, yeah. um, like, I feel like you guys really know. Like, you just you got all these tools, and I'm always like amazed at you know how people do what they do. So uh, yeah, maybe we Aside can. IT guys, we love our tools. That's what I'm saying. Maybe you know <laughs> we could think about doing some more instructional uh, content, you know, and really dive in. So let you know that's something we can talk cool. more offline. But just wanted to throw that out there. So. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely, um, you guys will be seeing more of Aaron in the future, I'm sure. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. Uh, So thanks, Aaron, again, for for being a guest and and delivering awesome value to our listeners. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, glad to do it. And let's keep in touch and we'll, we'll talk soon. All right, talk soon. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Let's keep the conversation going. Uh, even though this was a repeat interview uh, from an old episode, it's probably been a while. So hopefully you've you've learned some new things if you heard it before. Otherwise, if this is the first time listening to it, what did you think about it? Let me know by heading on over to computerbusinessmarketing.com and clicking on the episode for this, uh, the show notes for this episode, episode 25. And down in the comments section, let us know what you thought. Also, don't forget to join us in the Facebook uh, group that's called the Computer Business Marketing Tips and Tricks. Just head on over to Facebook, uh, type in Computer Business Marketing in the search, and look for the Computer Business Marketing group. We'd love to have you in there. All you need to do to uh, request access is to answer two easy questions, and then uh, you can have access to that group. Can't wait to see you in there. Also, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, be sure to give us a shout out and leave a review. We love to hear your feedback and every comment helps so that you, uh, so that others can find the podcast when they're searching for it on those platforms. Finally, don't forget to check out our sponsor, Tech Site Builder. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. I'll be back next week with a live episode uh, and a new guest. So can't wait to see you then. Until then, here's to your success. Success.